It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Guess who's back? Your friends, Grant and Danny from Bustin' Loose Baseball. You can watch us now on YouTube. We are on video. Of course, wherever you get your audio, the Bustin' Loose Baseball podcast will be available. Please subscribe. Please spread the word. We will be here all season long breaking down the Washington Nationals with the addition of now being able to see Danny in high definition. What's up, Danny? What do you say, my friend? I am excited to talk about uh, baseball video i'll have to put clothes on this time when we start doing this podcast uh more regularly as we uh, kind of get into the swing of things terrible dad pun by me when i just said swing talking about baseball but uh but good to go man spring training well underway and the roster starting to take shape yes it absolutely is lots to get into on this first podcast today we should let people know we interviewed josiah gray it's a really good conversation very very smart very very nerdy from a baseball standpoint uh, we got into a bunch of analytical things with him and some of the numbers that he cares about and doesn't. And uh, basically, he was in the lab building pitches over the course of the offseason as he's now going to try to throw a cutter. So I think that's must listen. It's really good. You will hear it at the end of this podcast. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But there's a lot to catch up on. Kind of a state of the union here on the Nationals as we're midway through spring training. World Baseball Classic going on. Um, let's get into first just some news and notes things, and then we'll take a deep dive into the roster. Uh, Joey Manessis, two home runs for Mexico against Team USA the other night. Uh, that's good and bad because I don't like when people homer against Team USA. Uh, they bounced back, obviously, in a big way offensively since. But Manessis, the epicenter of the baseball world for a night. This is a guy who was toiling in the minor leagues, Danny, who couldn't get an opportunity, came up and played at an MVP level for a couple of months. You know, outperformed Juan Soto in some ways, post-Soto trade. It was amazing. And then for at least one night with some of the biggest stars in baseball on the field, uh, he was the most radiantly shining of them all. What a cool moment for him. And, yeah. and the hits keep on coming. There's a chance maybe that Joey Manessis is going to be a good offensive player for this team this year. There's no other way to describe it where Nats fans, I think, and, and, and people around baseball are kind of going, is Joey Manessis a thing? Last year was fun. Really, really cool. I mean, you know, you know this. I mean, how many flashes in the pan have you seen? It, it, you know, coming up and having a great September, or you know, some kind of brief moment in time where they can't get out, and next thing you know, they're back down in AAA. 
Manessis came up and and handled it. I mean, he was outstanding last year. You touched on it, better numbers than Juan Soto over the time, uh, you know, after that trade, getting his opportunity. The story for him is phenomenal. It was also frustrating to watch as a Team USA fan, but he was great, and he started barreling up the baseball last year. And if he can continue to do that, again, not put up those kind of numbers over a full season, hitting, you know, mid-300s with, you know, 40-some home runs, I don't think it's feasible. But if he can be a steady, honest-to-goodness, middle-of-the-order bat for this organization, that's a massive thing, whether that means he's here for a few years as this rebuild starts to take shape uh, and they're hopefully competitive in a couple of seasons or as an outstanding trade chip to a competitive team for, you know, as a DH spot, maybe a corner outfielder, play some first base, whatever, that guy can hit. And if if he continues to to do what he did, you know, for Team Mexico uh, the other night, what a fantastic find for this organization. Yeah, his pace last season, to your point, 13 homers in 56 games, would have been a 37 homer pace in the big leagues over 162 contests. He hit 324, got on base almost 37% of the time, had a 930 OPS. It was amazing. Was four for 20 at spring training before he went to the WBC, where he's been very hot, including the two homer game. Um, otherwise, for the Nationals here, as far as news and notes, Kbert Ruiz was locked up to an eight-year extension for $50 million. Now, I got to say, this is as team-friendly a contract as any ball player has ever signed, in my opinion. I was texting a couple of buddies of mine who are either working with big league teams or on the agent side and sources of mine, and not one of them could kind of believe that Ruiz did this deal. Um, there's a lot of ways to look at it, but I want to start by just saying congrats to the Nats for getting one of these done. As much as a no-brainer, I think, as this was, when you look at the fact that there are even two option years at the end of this team-friendly 8-50 and 50 that could make it actually worth 10 years and another 13 or so million dollars. Incredible contract, but they have not been able to land the plane on the runway that the Braves and the Astros and the Rays and so many other teams working ahead have routinely done, and now they have. It takes a willing player. It takes probably a non-Boris player. In this case, Ruiz switched away from Scott Boris a couple weeks before doing the deal. But they finally did it, man, and this is really, really exciting and cool. I know there's some question about if Ruiz is going to make good on, at one point in time, being a top 15 prospect in baseball, and does he still have star potential, and what are we talking about? And that's a good conversation we can have. But I don't think it even matters at this contract. Like if he's just a big league catcher for a bunch of years, you're getting good value here. That's it. Now, there are two ways to approach this, and, and we'll talk about it. We could talk about it from the player's perspective, right? Where, you know, I'm going, hey, K-Bear, you probably left some money on the table. Not if it probably you did. But from the Nationals' perspective, organizationally, someone that follows the team, a fan of the team, et cetera, we were due for one of these, man. We were due, in fact, we're due for a bunch of these where a young piece that is here, that they acquired, that they're going to develop. This guy is going to be here for a decade, basically. We were due one of these guys that was going to sign a team-friendly deal instead of a an albatross contract that hangs over the organization still, and you know exactly who I'm referencing. We were due a team-friendly, long-term, lock-up-a-young-piece instead of doing the willy-or-won't-y, willy-or-won't-y dance that we have done for Soto, for Harper, for Turner, for Rendon. Enough of that. This is why it's so exciting for the Nats, and and again, for Nats fans as well. The Braves have made a living doing this. You touched on them, the Astros, the, you know, the Nats' uh, uh, roommates down there at spring training. They have found a way to get those contracts done en masse, keep a core together that keeps you competitive in the mid-90s plus wins for you know a, an extended period of time. This is how you do it. 
you can't do this with everybody. It always depends on the player, his needs, his wants, uh, et cetera. You got to be, you know, two to tango is your old adage there. But the Nets were do one of these, quite frankly. And it's exciting in that regard. I, I, I This is a guy that I think has all-star potential in Cave Ruiz. And I'm not some groundbreaking revolutionary that I see something that no one else does. He was a highly rated prospect uh, for really good reason. I think the bat to ball is there. I think there'll be some power numbers that are going to start to develop here pretty soon. I like him as a receiver. Uh, catch and throw was really, really good. He's a nice guy to have as this young pit core pitching staff starts to develop. They'll develop along with Cabo Ruiz. I think that's really, really good. So it's exciting from that regard. But again, the thing I keep coming back to, Jeeps, is they were due one of these, right? Whether it's an unwillingness to do it early, whether it was a player unwillingness, whether it was Boris, I don't know who to blame. And frankly, I don't care. I'm just excited they finally got one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, a couple of things in, to kind of follow up on there. I mean, you're absolutely right that he's got back-to-ball skills that are really intriguing. And if you're a team, what you're looking for in projecting offensively is hit tool, which he has, right? This is a guy that doesn't swing and miss a whole lot. Like, that's a trait. That's a skill that's very, very rare at any position for a young player. And Kbert Ruiz, at 24 years old, is very much a young player. For a switch hitter to have a swing that seems to always be that locked in and to make the contact that he does is a really valuable thing, right? We're talking about a whiff percentage last season at the 94th percentile in baseball. A strikeout percentage, 97th percentile. He doesn't swing and miss. He doesn't strike out. Because he put so many balls in play, he was unlucky last year with a 251 batting average because his expecting batting average was 91st percentile, right? So those are our uh, traits. Those are things that if you are um, a, a team kind of diving into Ruiz's season last year, you're expecting a lot more offense. You're expecting a lot more boom, so to speak, as he continues to thicken up and, and hit for power. Now, there are some traits that aren't great as well. He did not hit the ball hard last season, 11th percentile. His average exit velocity was 33rd percentile. His barrel percentage was 11th percentile. So there's a walk rate. That needs to be improved, 37th percentile. So he's put, making a lot of contact, but it's plenty of weak contact, right? It's He's not finding the barrel. That's something that I think they can improve upon. They can help him with. And maybe you trade in some of the just, hey, I'm going to make contact and slap the ball here for a little bit more good part of the bat to the big part of the field kind of swings. And I, I think there's going to be a happy medium where maybe it is 260 instead of 280. But maybe, you know, the the power goes up and you slug a little bit more. And that is coming. But the fact that they got this deal done, 8-50 and with two team options, we're talking about, in my opinion, maybe the most team-friendly deal that's ever been signed ahead of free agency with one of these young players. And he's not on the level of a Corbin Carroll, who might win Rookie of the Year in the National League this year if Jordan Walker doesn't, who just got 8-11 from the Diamondbacks. Or even a lot of the guys the Braves signed, right? Michael Harris got a record $70 million for the amount of limited big league service time he'd had. 
But this is genius. Like, this is what teams should be doing. Now, on the Ruiz side of this, I don't really know why he signed this deal. It actually worries me, might be excessive, but it makes me think, you know, is he not as confident in his own development and what he's going to become as maybe he should be? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that he did. And, and who am I to question a young man who just signed for $50 million? I mean, I don't know what his situation is, family and otherwise. That he, he will retire with an amount of money now that sets up his kids and his kids' kids. I just know that in talking to at least one other agent in baseball, they speculated that he, he left at least 50, maybe even $100 million on the table if he really does break out and become a star. And he could get the upward you know, $100 million more than he got over these 10 years. Now, that is probably bullish, but it's a crazy contract for the Nats. It's amazing. For the player, it's really surprising. And and we do a, a Nats podcast, not not a Cabert Ruiz podcast. So uh, I'm right. pumped about it. Yeah, no, I think it's well said. I mean, you know, the thing you touched on is you never know what's going on, personal life or, or background with a player. Um, and think of also, you know, th there are some economists who will tell you now for me, the bigger amounts, the bigger amount. And, and that's kind of the end. It's worth betting on yourself. But, you know, the same reason the Nationals do deferred money in every single contract ever, it seems like, is to them, you know, is, is $10 million today worth more than 25 down the road? Not to most people, but again, there's there's some uh, argument there to, to be made. Money now is better than money later because he's going to go through a couple years, more years of controllability than arbitration and, and and everything else. And this gives him more in the short term. Again, leaving money on the table in the long term. Maybe you're thinking high injury rate position. Maybe you know a productivity decline because you know that the, the tools of ignorance are undefeated in terms of slowing people down. I'm speculating. What do I know, right? But as you said, it does take two to tango here. And and the fact that Ruiz was willing to do that, I think, is obviously the central tenet of this thing. But, you know, for the Nationals' perspective, again, I can't get over how few times this has actually happened. It basically took two different guys going to free agency, getting to the very end, and the Nats paying top of market rate at the time for Ryan Zimmerman, and then again for Steven Strasburg a couple times over. And you know, the mixed results at best, I would say, for those long-term deals. So they were due one of these. And it's and it's just fun to have that now you know that my kid, when he goes to a game this summer, let's get a Ruiz jersey because it's going to be good for a long time, right? Instead of, you know, as a guy breaks out or has his MVP caliber season or leads you to a whole bunch of victories, you're like, well, it may not be a great investment to get a Rendon or a Harper jersey jersey or a Turner jersey or a Soto jersey because he's probably playing for somebody else in a year or two or three this is a legitimate investment and, and it's worth doing and this fan base can kind of grow with Ruiz and so in that regard I think it's really exciting some of the other notes from Nats camp today Jake Irvin's been optioned to AAA Patrick Corbin's gonna start they announced uh tomorrow for a Wednesday game Josiah Gray is gonna pitch on Thursday against the Mets by the way we've got an interview with him Coming up on Bustin' Loose Baseball here in just a few minutes. Uh, Mackenzie Gore gets to start again on Friday. Last time we saw him, rough first inning, gave up four early runs and then settled back in. Uh, on the injury front, Victor Arano has got right shoulder impingement, has been shut down, and Israel Pinedo got to the big leagues as a catching prospect for the Nats last year, dealing with the right finger, uh, has yet to be cleared to throw. Um, we can get to some of the roster decisions that have been made also uh, over the last 24 hours. Jackson Rutledge sent down to double A most notably, where hopefully now the former first round pick will have a chance to work his way to the major leagues, throwing hard, 
probably out of the bullpen, I would guess, this season uh, at the major league level. But, you know, he's going to be a starter in the minors, and, and the hope is maybe eventually can start at the big league level as well.